0: Five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Okay, here's Tom Fishburn for August 1st media planning digital. We should allocate our budget first to digital because our brand is digital first. <laughs> right. Whatever social, whatever it takes to go viral on TikTok. PR, we've taken a, we take, we have to take a stand on any and every social issue to show that our brand has purpose. TV, isn't TV dead yet? Print, yeah, right. Radio, okay, boomer. Finger pointing, why aren't we seeing higher, higher sales? Maybe it's time to change agencies or marketing team or something. Okay, so Tom says that, um, media spending continues to go toward digital. Digital media brings some interesting new options. This is this is um, to execution, but I remain convinced that media are oversold and overinvested across most marketing plans. This is from Mark Ritson, who we're going to be talking about shortly. But, you know, most, here we go, a significant number of marketers are not, driven by data anymore. They look at their own highly underrepresentative media consumption and use that as a proxy for their media planning. And don't we all? I mean, we all kind of tend to do that. But um, he says media like radio and newspapers are dismissed too easily by marketers who need to open their minds to the real possibility that these fantastic channels can offer. Media choices should be driven by the specific goals the marketers are trying to achieve which is often not the case. And, you know, a lot of the media mix is governed by how much you know about your audience, right? If you have their name and address, then mail can be the most powerful. But so many these days don't even bother with the, with the address if they're not shipping them something, you know, and, and therefore that kind of rules it out. So one of the first steps if you want an alternate media, is to collect the information that you need to reach them there. And the less you know about your market, the more likely that low cost per thousand like TV will be the most cost effective because it blankets everybody. You don't know who's in the market. You know, now, this gets at an issue that we're going to be talking about just in a second. Okay, what's the big campaign idea? We're going digital. Facebook, YouTube, a mobile app, Pinterest... What are we going to do in all those channels? I don't know, we'll figure it out later. Are digital ads are the digital ads we buy actually being seen? Absolutely. Most of the almost half the time, at least 50% of the pixels for a whole second, hopefully by a human. Maybe without a, without maybe on a site without porn, but there's no way to verify that. That explains the low cost per 1000. Yep, it's a great deal. Okay, so anyway, I love I love what Fishburn puts there. I didn't quite understand this one. We bought your attention, paid media. Newsletter, please give us your attention, owned. That's like if you if you subscribe to the WDMA. Hey, at least you'll get the media uh, the meetup announcements. Uh earned, help us get your friends attention. Yeah, okay. And ignored. Why is no one paying any attention? Yeah, and that's where most companies are at, I think okay here's a fun story a medal you can bite and eat as well this is um <laughs> i don't know how to say xander shuffle name i just don't it looks like shafafali to me but i'm sure that's wrong so it's and he won the gold medal an american um but his family has roots all over the place in the olympics and his it was either his father or his grandfather was was en route to the Olympics, I mean, in training to, to get there and, uh, was hit, hit by a car or something. And, but it, you know, I didn't realize this was like in his family heritage, uh, a bunch of Olympic athletes and a bunch of Olympic aspirations. And so that was really cool. And it's nice to see that an American win golf when we do have quite a few golfers, and for those of you who don't think golf's a sport, I would put it head-to-head with, with gymnastics and a lot of other sports any day. But anyway, Blue Diamond came up with a medal made out of almonds that you can eat. And that's what made me think of it, because I saw this picture yesterday. Um, and if you tweet out your favorite winning Olympics athlete, you get a chance to win your own extremes almond medal. A taste of victory will be spicy. <laughs> but how many almonds does it take? 20 to 25 almonds. Okay, that's enough. We don't care. You can't buy it. You, you got to win it with a tweet. And now the meat of the, of the day. The seven things marketers need to know in order to answer the question. And the question is this one. I understand the importance of long-term brand building. I get the need to invest heavily in it. I get all that but how do I get X to buy into it and support me and, and X is like the CMO or the CFO. And so this is a uh, this is a puzzling question and what struck me in this 25 minute to read article which I highly recommend it what struck me is that that it it so fits the situation with direct marketing. You know I've been in direct marketing for mm in september next month it'll be 40 years that i've been uh that i i started in direct marketing no that's 40 years let's see no i started in 1980 yeah 1981 1981 so 40 years as a marketing consultant mid-september and you know i've seen the power of long-term testing where we let the marketplace tell us what resonates with them. And I've seen the ability to both build the long-term brand image while also, and and keep it separate. That was really an interesting point that Mark made. For example, we were able to model for Musician's Friend. We'd spent a lot of time modeling. I think we built mm -mm, 60 variables to identify people that tended to buy on sale only. And I'm kind of like that, you know. Uh, I remember Paul Fredericks used to send me a catalog, and then they'd email me specials all the time. And I would look at the catalog, and then I'd wait for the the 20% off coupon. And I do that with Land's End, too. I love their catalog. I look at it. I consider their catalog to be almost more brand building. I remember when I first got started with Land's End, they used to put articles about the sheep about the sheep herders, the shepherds in New Zealand and how this, how because of the cold climate up on the mountains, we get really good wool from there. And it makes these great sweaters. And I remember that kind of thing. And they used to put these articles in there. And that was brand building. Even though it was you know, a regular mailing that had regular results and we could measure the short-term results, the long-term results, well, heck, I'm still with them today. And that was from the 70s. Uh, When I started with Land's End. Okay, so how do I get the CFO, the CMO to support me in long-term marketing? And and that's the way I would change this article to long-term marketing. Thinking about how do people view my company? Thinking about how do they think about my company when they're not ready to buy? And that's the interesting part about this article. That I'm not sure... I mean, this is just a super article, especially if you're in brand building. But so few marketers are. Most of us have a budget and we decide how we spend it. And we're never going to have the impact, you know, of even of Apple in 1984, where, where they took their entire year, year budget and bought one commercial on the Super Bowl and bet everything on this crazy commercial. Uh, and and It worked. Right? It was totally brand building it had nothing to do with a special or a sale or a new item coming out. It just said we're, we're different than IBM It's really what it said we're different than the traditional computer company And uh, I've shown that commercial on the show where the where the girl comes in and the and throws the, throws the sledgehammer through the screen and the Apple logo comes up and everybody that's, that saw it remembered it um but you know first of all you have to have a good brand where you are different secondly you have to have the creative to really stand out and do something crazy and third that has to translate into sales which it doesn't often oftentimes it people just scratch their head and say what is this about so it's a complicated thing even if you have a good budget for it and that's why direct marketing is so powerful Uh, And I can tell you that um, when I was in an ad agency, we did five pitches while I was there, a couple of years, and we won all five. And in every case, the CEO, the president, or the CFO uh, always said, we really like this idea that you can measure what's going on, that you can test and find out what the marketplace, uh, what resonates with the marketplace. And... Um, on Friday, I believe it was Friday, I posted uh, some of my comments from the Direct Marketing Club of New York, and maybe I'll put a link to that in the down in the comments. Um, but what what I had to say was basically that direct marketing and direct mail's ability to to mm, drive engagement necessarily you have to throw it out; it doesn't throw itself out to drive engagement with a decision-maker, not everybody in the household can throw the mail out, Um, that guarantees that we have both a knowledge of who bought, but also, and almost as important, a knowledge of who engaged and didn't buy. And we get that in no other media. So in, in that context, we can say, well, let's try mail. Let's give it a shot. And we get one mailing, and you'll learn something from one mailing. But the real, the real, the real benefit comes from long term, and seeing a brand move. Um, I worked with six different safety companies, safety catalogs, over a couple of years, uh, mostly in the '90s, and we repositioned each one slightly differently because uh lab safety was dominating the industry and lab safety's positioning uh it was it was owned by a uh by a woman who said you know a lot of the safety buyers are office managers and they're just trying to you know have a good a good amount of safety merchandise you know the the first aid kits and things strategically placed and it's not that complicated and we should do a catalog that's easy to use and and colorful, and um, and welcoming, essentially. And that made sense for them. And uh, they they, explode, they had explosive growth because of that. But then these other companies would call me up and say, you know, we want to look like that. We, we want to do that. And so I would find out more about them, and I said, you know, that's maybe not what you want to do. You might want to, for example, um, I'm trying to think of the name. It was owned by Jensen Tool, but it was down in, in Phoenix, and um, they had on staff, they had safety engineers. And so their, their real forte was working with manufacturing companies and, um, and complex safety issues where there were real issues of, of life and death. And I said, you know, you want to promote that. You want to promote that, you know, when you're looking for more than just a first aid kit, that that's the kind of th- – this is the place you should call, that we have real – bonafide, certified safety engineers on staff, and they showed their pictures. And not every, you know, you didn't dial right into them. You dial in and talk to a, to a customer service or a, or a, a telesales person. And if your application was difficult, they would, they would ask you a lot of questions. And we set that all up, and then it would get referred to the safety engineer. But it positioned their company completely different than lab safety, and their revenue per piece went up because of that repositioning. We worked with, um, with industrial safety. Uh, over in Ohio, and uh, we you know changed the way they did business in terms of their shipping. We also changed the way they emphasized their social uh, their social consciousness, which they had a dramatic one uh, and they 'd been funding it for years and years, millions of dollars, and nobody knew about it uh, and so we changed that and we and we elevated that a little bit, and their revenue per piece went up, and their profitability went up so you know, where you go depends a little on what, what your strengths are. It isn't a cut and dried thing. You should never assume that one, one formula is going to work for another company. And you should let the marketplace dictate some of that. But anyway, so Mark is saying you should allocate half of your budget to long-term brand building. And I would say that thinking should also be used for testing that that the metrics of brand building are very complex but the but the long term lifetime value calculations are very straightforward and we can help you with those and you can see the long term positioning benefit if you keep an eye on the tests and you and you structure it and you heuristically that means you have a feedback loop of what do you what do you observe which determines your Initial tests, and a good test is between the obvious, fix the obvious, and the trivial. Don't bother with the trivial. Someplace in the middle is the interesting test, which is a little bit of an art. It's more than a little bit of an art. It's an art, okay, to understand where to test next. It's not a laundry list. Yes, there's list. Yes, there's offer. Yes, there's creative. But it's more more subtle than that. And the paybacks can be dramatically different depending on where you go. And creative, I've seen creative boost, creative changes boost results 40%. Okay, so one of the premises, one of the reasons this question is so difficult is because marketers have sold the CEO and the CFO on the idea that we can predict when you're going to buy next because we'll watch for your click You know, what did I click on just yesterday? I don't know. I clicked on something, and and I got uh, something popped up and said, I see you're in the market for something or other, (laughs) and I wasn't. You know, I was just – I had a particular reason for looking at something. But, you know, somebody somewhere bought that information and sent me in – you know, wasted their money trying to get at me at that point. I used to sell long-term brand-building little newspaper ads. And, you know, some were for funerals, some were for real estate agents, some were for pharmacies. And basically it was, the idea was that you may not be sick now, but you're going to be sick sometime. And after you see your doctor for that, bring your prescription to our pharmacy. Or, you know, you're not in the market for a house, but all of a sudden your kids move out and and you you think, what are we doing in this place? Knocking around in this mansion or your mother-in-law needs a place and she moves in. And you say, this isn't big enough. Or you have a couple of new kids come along. Or they move back after they, they finish college. They're back again. and you know, This isn't working. So the idea of brand building is the opposite of what we've been dished up the last 20 years. That with cookies and with tracking, we can tell when you're in the market for X. And it's a lie because you don't know when the check engine light comes on on my car or what I've been dealing with. You know, you don't know what I'm what I'm working on, right? And by the time by the time you figure out that the that the basement flooded with my water heater, it's too late cuz I've already went and exchanged it and gotten another one at Menards. You know, because I got my last one at Menards. That's like long-term brand building and they gave me full credit for it cuz it was still in warranty. So, the long-term isn't just an, an idea of, of what does our ads say. The, the long-term perspective is an, in completely 180 different, different direction thinking about your customer and marketing. The long-term brand building says, we're not sure what he's, they're going to buy. We're not sure what kind of computer product they're going to want. But we want them to remember Apple when they decide that they want something, when they start to ask the question. That's the reason for long term because you don't know everything. But as long as you pound the drum of we know all about you and we can predict what you want, as long as that's your mantra and you continue to achieve that, Week after week, month after month, you continue to promise that any minute now, we'll get the machine learning tuned and we can know before the customer even knows that they're in the market for a new water heater. We'll predict when that is going to burst. No, you're not. You're never going to. And that's why brand building is so powerful. And that's why this is a great article to read if you want to sell brand building. But think about the basics. It's much more basic, Mark. It's, it's get, off, get marketing off their high horse and tell them to quit promising that they can guess what I want. They don't. What's the definition of marketing? Find a need and fill it. It's, but it's not about predicting the next water heater explosion. On a house by house basis, it's not going to work. Okay, so this, you know, and I can't get into the details. I really, really recommend that you read this article. To do that, you go down to WDMA.org and you hit join, WDMA.org slash J O I N, join, and you can subscribe for free and then you get the whole article. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye bye.